Hi, friend. I'm so glad you found the Catholic Podcast Collective, and I'm so glad you're listening to this right now. Know that there is no coincidence that you are listening to this episode today. The Lord brought you here because there's something for you in this story. At To Grow Good, we share conversion stories and encounters with the living God. I'm so excited for you to hear this sample episode, and I hope you'll come on over to To Grow Good to hear more incredible stories of how the Lord has worked in people's lives and led them into His church. You can find To Grow Good wherever you listen to podcasts, and now we're also on YouTube too. I'd also love to connect with you over on Instagram at To Grow Good. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the sample episode of To Grow Good. I hope you love it. Welcome to To Grow Good, a podcast of conversion stories, to share encounters with the living God, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and He wants to meet you too. My name is Rachel Smith, and I'm your host. Now let's start growing some good. Hi, friends, and happy Tuesday. I am, let me just tell you, I am so fired up after listening to my conversation back with Simone um, Riscala from Endow Groups. She is just on fire for the faith. She's totally following Jesus um, wholeheartedly. She surrendered her journey and just given her yes over and over again to him. And her radical trust is so inspiring. Um, It just makes me want to, I don't know, do even more than I'm doing now. And just, uh, I love that kind of faith. I feel like that's what we're called to do is to um, inspire others the way that she's inspiring Uh, and clearly has inspired me. So I just cannot wait for you to listen to this conversation and to hear the story of Simone, just like how, you know, where she is now in life and the impact that she's making on other people um, and where she started, you know, and just like how in the world she got there. This is what, you know, really the heart of this podcast was is um, all about. And I hope these stories have been touching you the way that they touch me uh, and leave a lasting impact on me and make me want to strive to follow Christ even deeper. Um, And that's just exactly what Simone did today. She is so fiery, so just incredible. I, I can't wait for you all to to really, um, if you haven't heard of her, just to be introduced to her because she is such a gift. Um, and so thankful for her yes and what she's doing. Honestly, all the episodes are, but especially this one, I just want to invite you to share this episode with a friend. Maybe there's somebody who has a lot of questions about the church, has a lot of questions about what it means to follow Jesus, has a lot of questions about what it means to be Catholic, especially in today's world where it seems so countercultural to what everybody else um, believes and thinks. Uh, just share it because you never know. It could it could bring about a fruitful conversation and really impact someone's life. And Simone is just so uh, infectious that I want to invite you to do that today. So yeah, without any other further delay, here is Simone. 
Simone, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rachel. So happy to be with you. So excited to have you here. Um, Can you start us off by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you? Oh, sure. Um, I, gosh, this is, a, this is the most basic question, but it's such a difficult question at the same time. I think the first thing that pops into my mind is, is being a, a cultural gypsy in a sense, which that, that phrase can kind of confuse some people. But what I mean to say is that um, I'm a first generation American. So my parents are Middle Eastern Christians and I'm also a Christian and an evangelist. So I'm in the world, but not of the world. And uh, for the last 10 years of my life, I've have, have been immersed and involved in the church world in different capacities at the parish level, teaching, and now within Dow as director of program growth within Dow. So we create study guides for women to organize themselves into small groups to study the Catholic intellectual tradition, Catholic saints, philosophy, theology, female doctors of the church, and ultimately the feminine genius, because every woman has a genius that's all her own that is vitally essential to the world and to the church. And those are John Paul II's word, words himself. So that's what I do now is, is help women recognize and cultivate their feminine genius, which is just such a huge gift and honor to do. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, we were just talking before, but that was such a big part of my own conversion story and just my love for the church and for the faith is really started and grew from there. And it's so amazing how God uses sometimes our wounds and our darkest places and then brings life out of that, Uh, which I feel like in so many ways he has done for me with the feminine genius and all these beautiful teachings on women in the church. And and Dow has helped me to realize that. So thank you again for all you. Very well, and I love that. I know, yes, when we were talking, I love that part of your story, and that all of all of these questions just are on your heart, and that actually, that the church, Mother Church, through especially in a special way, John Paul II has a has an answer and a response to, and and affirms those questions, and affirms those desires, and affirms uh, all of all of that. So it's all here, and and I'm so happy that you discovered it. Yay. Okay. So now I can't wait to hear your story. Um, But let's go back maybe to the beginning. If you could just walk us through your journey in the faith, maybe like a little bit about how you grew up. um, And if there was a moment you can remember where you first met or encountered God at a more personal level. Yeah. I mean, at a a personal level, uh, I would say that in in many ways, my story is similar to yours and that I had everything that life had to offer. <laughs> and the, the question on my art was, um, but what else? And feeling very, very uh, lost actually in that, which is, a, it's an interesting experience to kind of have everything the world can offer, but then to be still feeling lost and confused. Um, just one of the paradoxes of life. And I remember just kind of crying out and even <laughs> Googling on the internet, like, you know, <laughs> meaning of life. The, I, I think I read uh, Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life and cried and journaled all over it. Um, but I, <laughs> you know, all, of, all, all those things. And I kind of stumbled. My original story has many pieces, so I'm just going to emphasize this one. Uh, it's it's it, the the Holy Spirit kind of thread different experiences and encounters together. But the one that I'll share with you today on this interview is I, I kind of was loitering around the back of a church, which is so funny. And 
you know, and it, it, it kind of makes sense. The church is our home. So if it's our home, we can kind of loiter around it, but mm-hmm. you know, it's not really something that American Catholics do. So maybe it's the, the Middle Eastern in me, you know, cause in the Middle East people, all, all they do is hang at church. The church is the only place to hang out. <laughs> um, and look at looking for answers like, God, this is, this is where you live. So since you live here and I'm looking for you, maybe um, you could just show yourself to me. And not even really praying. And I wasn't even in a pew. I was just kind of loitering. I really was just going to walk wow. around like a crazy lady. And um, <laughs> I was just like looking at the pamphlets and the brochures and stuff that people leave. And, and I found this one prayer. And it, it was, there wasn't a stack. It was just this one prayer as if someone left it for me, uh, written by St. Ambrose. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the prayer goes, teach me, O Lord, to search for you. Show yourself to me when I search for you. If you do not teach me first, I cannot seek you. If you do not reveal yourself to me, I cannot find you. In longing, may I search for you and in searching, long for you. In love, may I find you and in finding you, love you. And I, and I read that prayer and I, it was, the prayer was the answer to the prayer because I felt the burden of trying to figure out my life and find out all the answers lifted off my shoulders. Teach me, O Lord, to search for you. St. Ambrose, you know, this fourth century bishop, somehow his prayer ends up in a, the back of a church and him saying, teach me, O Lord, to search for you. Oh my goodness. I need to be taught how to, yeah. how to search for you, you know, Left to my own devices, I'm really a wreck. I'm very lost. It's, you know, confused. But this prayer I knew was the, the beginning of the answer to the, to the question of my life. And so that I would say was a very important encounter. And I felt safe again that he was, but by leading me to this prayer, that he was prompting me to continue to ask him, teach me, O oh Lord, to search for you. Show yourself when I search for you. And he will. And he has. <laughs> That's incredible. That's crazy that that was just on the back of the church. Oh my oh, gosh. Some feminine genius, you know, just probably left in the back there knowing that there would be a little lost sheep, <laughs> a loitering one. Who knows? We just don't know. As you were yeah. saying earlier to me, you know, we just, God uses everything. He's certainly using us in ways we don't know it. He plans to use us. And, and it's not our problem. <laughs> He's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And he'll work through anything like the back of a church and, and a flyer, you know, with the, with the perfect prayer on it for that moment, which is just Fine. insane. Yeah. But, but so did you grow up Catholic? So I grew up Catholic, but it's, there's like 15 disclaimers. Um, <laughs> for, for Middle Eastern uh, you know, my, my mom is of the Orthodox tradition, my dad of the Catholic tradition. So in the Middle East, you follow the father, but in Middle Eastern households, it's also the mother is the main influencer. So she raised us and, and, you know, Catholic in the sense of we went to mass and we were into Catholic schools. Um, but like many people in their generation and, and including ours, ver- weren't very well catechized. So I was, I was raised certainly with Christian, Jesus and Mary, icons, incense, all over the house. Uh, to be an Armenian Egyptian is to be is it to be a Christian. Would I say that it was the fullness of the Catholic experience? No, because you can only give what you have. 
And if they weren't very well catechized, how are they then supposed to catechize us? And as you and I also have talked about, uh, the church herself is in crisis and, and we have been catechetically betrayed in many ways. So uh, yeah, the answer is yes and no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that makes so much sense. That resonates a lot with, I think, a lot of people. You know, yeah. kind of that feeling of knowing these things at a certain level, but not really connecting fully with how they apply to your life, you know, like how he's alive in like everything you do, like yes. all the time, you know, like that just not that clicking yeah. of like, you know, just the knowledge of it versus like living it out in your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would, I would say for me, the, um, the person of Jesus as someone who cared about me personally was emphasized. Um, but it's interesting. My mom and I have discussed this because for so many Catholic families, all the um, externals are emphasized. You gotta go to mass. You gotta go to this. You gotta go to that without attention to the relationship. Mm-hmm. I would say that in my family, it was a bit of the reverse. We weren't going to mass every Sunday, most of the time, but not every Sunday. And it was not mm-hmm. moralistic. It was because, of course, you like you, Jesus, you know. But but it but it wasn't <laughs> like you can't miss a Sunday. It's a mortal sin if you miss it. That because they weren't taught that. Um, um, but in terms, so the relationship with Jesus and his personal gaze on my life was there, but, but if you don't have the life of the mind and the, the, the instruction and the education, uh, to guide you, then even though somebody else, like you may have had the same kind of experience for me, I still ended up lost, Mm -hmm. right? Because you still need to be taught very specific things and you still need to be taught how to live in a sense. What, what, are the, what are the teachings? What is the truth? How do I make decisions? Who am I? So even if you have that, it's yeah. still not enough because, because there, there has to be truth behind it. There's truth behind that person. So. Right. right. And that encounter, kind of like what we were talking the- about, like where you come to know him in your heart. And that's what I think you know, I think he's pursuing us like all the time to, to, cause he wants so badly to encounter us, but sometimes we have to go through different things, right. To get to the back of the church. Right. Lord, you, right? you, need, you need the whole, the whole personal affirmation, the encounter, the knowledge, the community, you need all of it. And if one piece is missing, it's very hard to stay rooted. And I love, I love the, I love your podcast theme and the title of it because you've got to be rooted and, Mm -hmm. and, and you need all of those elements for a healthy, thriving relationship. You can't, you know, the encounter and the knowledge and the community and the teaching, all of it needs to be working together in an integral whole. So, yes, I love that. And so what led you to the back of the church? Like why the church? (laughs) Why did you go to the church? I mean, that is something that was in you that you yeah. knew, you knew yeah. to go to the church, you know, even if you don't go in the door. Yeah, like, I, think, I, think that, I think that was really a gift. I think I've always had a grace. I never abandoned Jesus because actually from the beginning, Jesus was given to me. Mm-hmm. And I figured, well, if he, if the church is his house and he's, you know, that's where he hangs out and I'm just, you know, just like lost little sheep. So I would say in a sense, the, the, the grace of, 
kind of not having all the, sometimes I meet many American Catholics who, um, and I'm Eastern Catholic, so I'm, I'm not Roman, I'm Armenian Catholic, who, who very, uh, are, the, you know, the, the Catholic guilt, the, the shoving down your throat, the, the, the threats about hell and mortal sin. Now, all that is true stuff, but um, the way that it can be presented, especially without the love and the encounter and the affirmation and the reasonableness of it, then it becomes reduced to just those externals. And then definitely you're going to reject it. Whereas mm-hmm. in my case, I look back and I go, hey, mom and dad, like now they're well catech. I know, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> after my reversion, I'm like, hey guys, like we're supposed to be going to mass like every Sunday. It's not a three out of four thing, you know? And they're like, oh, okay, like no problem. <laughs> but so, so we didn't have like that culture of like, you know, this neurotic fear or, or obsession of hell. It was not a, I was like taken for granted that you're loved by Jesus. Now with the Eastern sensibility, which is very good that there, you know, there can be a, like a love there. We also need rules and structure and obedience, yeah. right? Yeah. So this, this is where, like I was saying before, the two have to work together. <laughs> so I'm very happy that I was catechized at some point and mm. encountered the fullness at some point, because then I can go back and say, thank you, God, that I always had that interest in church and in religion and God. And I knew that's where it was at, even mm-hmm. though I was very disappointed with the institutions and left the church for a while. I know I, mm-hmm. I did go to the Baptists for a while. I was thinking about becoming Greek Orthodox for a while. I did leave the, the institutional Catholic church. I left uh, because I felt betrayed and because I knew church is where it's at. And I wasn't getting it at my Catholic church, right? Totally, yeah. I, I left and that was a reasonable thing to do, you know? Um, no one catechized me on the Eucharist. No one catechized me on the importance of the sacraments. I certainly didn't learn the tr- church's teachings on life, I uh, on humana vitae and all those kind of things. So at a certain point, your, your even my initial enthusiasm for church expired and I still wanted to be part of the church, but it had to be somewhere mm-hmm. else. Wow. And so when I look, I said, okay, Baptist or Greek Orthodox? This is, I'm going to go back to my mom. Those are so like extremely but, different. <laughs> maybe, but I, I even journaled about it. I was like, definitely not Catholic because I would go to Catholic stuff as a youth and they would actually not just not teach the good stuff. They would teach the wrong stuff. They were teaching things against Christianity and against Catholicism. So I thought, well, I'm just like, I'm not even getting basic everybody can agree Christian morals, right. not much less the, the treasury of Catholicism that somehow I stumbled upon in, in my twenties, which gosh, like for somebody who was always, you know, I was somebody that was interested in. Yeah. You, know, you actually wanted it. Yeah. Wanted it. And I want it and I show up and I'm still deprived. Wow. This is definitely a crisis. And so what happened? So you tried the Baptist church. I loved it. Cause they talked about Jesus. And yeah. Scripture and yeah, Bible, the pastor, eye contact, uh, you know, I Billy Graham book, who doesn't love Billy Graham? You get a chocolate bar, he shows up at your house and checks on you. I mean, they know what they're doing. Um, but I thought it was weird things like Mary. I thought, no, she's definitely perpetual virgin. I couldn't, Mm. I couldn't reject that. I was like, I don't know if that's right. Uh, they were against infant baptism, which I thought, so again, I don't have a theology background at this point, but my heart was like rejecting that. Mm-hmm. So I was in a difficult spot because I thought these are wonderful Christian disciples who are really firing me up, but there are some things that they teach against that 
for some reason, my heart is saying, no, it's not true. Um, and then with the ortho, with the Greek Orthodox, which is an incredible apostolic sacramental faith tradition, you know, um, there were like two people there. So the problem there wasn't so much the theology as it was um, nobody was there. And that's you still weren't getting what you were teaching. Yeah, the community wasn't there um, and many ethnic churches and, and that's their own crisis. Um, I can't help contribute to the solution to all the crises. <laughs> yeah, we have <laughs> enough. Yeah, that's there, but you know, and I, you know, I, I joke around with my Middle Eastern family, you know, you have to love Jesus more than your kebabs and your falafel sandwiches, you know, and sometimes when you go to those very ethnic-based churches, you know, um, you know, let's get through the liturgy so that we can get to our uh, amazing Middle Eastern feast, which again, sounds so judgy and harsh, but that's not how I mean it because we do community well, but you know, we, you need community and you need the fellowship, but you also need the liturgy and the truth and the intellectual and theological spiritual nourishment. It has to have, has to have it all. Hi friend. The Lord has been inviting me to dream with him lately. And when I allowed the opportunity to dream, let's just say we dreamed up some big plans for this little ministry. We'd love to expand this show to be able to offer even more content, potentially including video interviews so you could see me and the guests um, live or on on YouTube, um, expanded scripture reflections, even studies, swag, more. Opportunities are endless, but to do any of this does, of course, require money. If you so feel called to support me on this mission, any amount that you might decide to contribute would be so appreciated. As a gift back to you for your support, monthly supporters will receive an exclusive bonus episode every month on a different topic that is stirring my heart. You can visit donorbox.org slash to grow good with dashes between each word to donate. This link is also at the bottom of each episode's description and in our show's description. Thank you so much for joining me in this adventure of stepping out on the water and saying yes to whatever God has of me next. Let's see where it goes. Now back to the show. Yeah. And so how the heck did you get <laughs> back to the Catholic <laughs> Because I'm like, this, this is... How old happening. were you when this was all happening? Like when you were trying different... Well, like 23 years old. Wow. So, okay. 23, 24. So what happened was, and um, <laughs> this is funny, my mom's friend who, and again, my mom and my family are going, we're going through our own kind of conversion as, as I'm having my own individual one, who is like this hippie rosary praying on the lawn, like an amazing Catholic woman, you know, getting arrested for praying in front of abortion clinics. Wow. She's, a, she's a great spiritual mother of mine. Um, could have just said to my mom, like, Hey, want to go to this Catholic conference? And my mom was like, uh, okay. You know, <laughs> wow. why not? You know, she keeps asking guys, let's just go, you know? Um, and we went and I, and I met Babsy Bleasdale, who, at the time, I didn't know who Babsy Bleasdale was, um, but she's this African evangelist, mm-hmm. and she's just, I, I even ditched most of the conference. I don't even remember doing anything there. I think I was at Disneyland one of the days and just not, you know, I was like kind of into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
And she, I see her and she sees me and she approaches me and she grabs my hand. And I'm like, who is this like bold African lady who's like, you know, just like grabs my hand, like touching me, which is not at all a Western thing. It's definitely an Eastern thing, you know, and just like, so like just patting my cheek and she just was, she gives me these prayers to the Holy Spirit. And she says, if you pray these prayers every day, I'm going to bless your life. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to bless your life. And you, you pray these every day for peace and for serenity and for all these things. And I was just, she, mm. I didn't have the words at the time, but she, the presence of God was just emanating from her, surrounding wow. her. I could feel it. I could see it. The kind of person that you'd be around that you want to just start to cry. She was so close to God and, but I didn't know who she was at all. And she, she hands me these prayers, says, I'll have peace and serenity every day in my life. I pray them. So I was going to do what she said. And I, since, since that time, which is, you know, over 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, I've prayed those, if, if I do anything spiritually and many times, a lot of, a lot of spiritual laziness and missing my personal prayer time and missing math, you know, missing daily mass on mass on Sunday, you know, uh, if anything happens for sure, the prayers that Babsy gave me, wow. those every day, that's how much of an authority she was for me. And I probably had less than two minutes with her. Wow. That's so powerful. That's crazy. And so, and so you started praying these prayers so I started praying these prayers. Yeah. Similar to you, um, when, from when we talked earlier, I opened up the, first of all, it never dawned on me to read the Bible for real. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, at the, as I told you, I was like very pro-church, very pro-religion. So I was like waving the Catholic flag, but I, I didn't even know what she was teaching, you know, yeah. but there was some, enth- it's probably my ENFP personality too. You know, you just gotta <laughs> dive in. Yeah. Yeah. Diving in, you know, but I got home and I, and I got a little holy fear, if you call it that. And just said, you know, I probably should read the Bible. And she never told me to, nobody at the conference told me to, it was, it was a, I think it was a fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence at the conference through baptism, through these Holy Spirit prayers. And I just thought I should probably start reading my Bible. Wow. I started reading it and the encounter with scripture is incredible as, as you, as you know, and have experienced. And I thought, wow, this is really good. <laughs> like, do people know what this like, says? Cause this, like, yeah. this is really good and helpful and very relevant for being a uh, two millennia document. Um, so that, that happened. Um, uh-huh. and then at a certain point, like you, I, um, the world had offered me everything and I had this amazing job and, you know, money and apartment and California, the whole thing. And, um, and, it, and my sister said, you know, at some point you, you know, you just, it seems to me that this God thing is like a thing and maybe you want to study theology. Wow. I mean, the, the idea, it just never crossed my mind at all. I didn't at all. I mean, there was no, it wasn't a consideration. I didn't even know it was an option. So that was the beginning of um, getting into theology more formally, going to study it. And then for the last 10 years, being involved in, in ministry. That's and crazy. 
Because you kind of had this like, I don't know, more like, I guess, spiritual. I mean, it's all spiritual, but like spiritual side of things happening in your faith life. But like that, like you were saying, the theology and like the, um, just the truth and the richness of the truth in the faith. In the faith. That a lot of people don't have access to. They don't have exactly, and it's it's a huge it's a huge passion of mine. I mean, when people would ask, "Why are you going to study theology?" which many people did, my boss thought I was insane. Um, you know, my my family was shocked. Middle Eastern kids don't study theology, and they definitely don't move out of your house. You know, where grandma lives, like you just don't. <laughs> It's my big fat Greek wedding. You know, you don't do that. That's like not what you do. Uh, So that was another confirmation. It was from the Holy Spirit. You know, again, I don't want to blame my ENFP personality, but like choosing an ice cream flavor, it's an existential crisis. Moving. It was like easy. (laughs) Yeah. Moving to Virginia to study theology, leaving your very lucrative marketing career was so clear. It was wow. so, Ignatius would call it first mode discernment. You just know. Yeah. It's all very strange, but you just know that's what you're supposed to do. It's crazy. So, so I just had to, I just had Like to. you just felt like it was right in your heart. Yeah. When I look back at the last 10 years, it looks like everything was planned. It really does. I can tell you now. That's the Holy Spirit because I planned none of it. All wow. of it, all of it was a surprise. When I when I went to Virginia and studied and then ended up working at a parish there, which by the way, the parish I got the job at, the only parish I got a job at, which I didn't even apply for because I didn't, I mean, <laughs> I just graduated and went, it was just to learn what I didn't learn in the Catholic institutions. I, I literally went to just go study. There was no plan to work in, in church. It was wow. literally just, I'm going to go study theology. A priest friend of mine said, hey, I just got assigned to, um, I just got assigned to a new parish and it needs rebuilding. You want to come rebuild it with me? I said, well, I was thinking about going back to California and having another existential crisis and figuring out now what do I do? <laughs> but, okay. What, wow. parish, what parish is it? Oh, it's St. Ambrose Parish. No. Yes. yes. Did you realize that at the time? No. So after, after, after oh my gosh, that just gave me so many goosebumps. Oh, that's crazy. I, I 100% didn't realize it at the time at all until a friend of mine, Beth is her name. She goes, isn't it just so beautiful? St. <laughs> Ambrose, uh, you know, your, your, your big patron, you know, the one you've been praying to all these years, the one that you've passed prayer cards out to all these. I mean, I, I had that prayer printed on 200, 300 business cards and I'd hand it out to people whenever I get it. I home. love that so much. <laughs> it was just so, I mean, it was so weird, but it happened. Oh. I mean, I literally had like 200 plus conversations over the course of like four years in marketing job, you know, just, you know, and, and she goes, isn't it just beautiful that he's been there for you and that you've like spread his devotion through these like random business cards that you've been passing out and, and now you're working in his parish and oh I'm gosh. not even joking with you. I didn't connect the dots. That's crazy. I love those things though, where it's just like he, 
he's working all the time and we don't even see it. Like, I don't think we can see it sometimes because we're so close up. It's like, it's like when you're like really close up to a painting and like, you can't, you can't tell what it is. And then you step back and it's like, it's this beautiful masterpiece of like all these people you're touching, but like, you didn't even see how it was unfolding because that's kind of what it's like when you follow the Holy Spirit. Like, I love exactly what you just said that like, in the moment, you weren't planning at all because you were just going wherever you yeah. were being led. Yes. But then you look back and it's like this beautiful story that looks like you did it all on purpose. It looks so, so, so perfectly curated. And I, I tell I, 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 I've been in an existential crisis the whole time. I you, <laughs> not at all planned or curated. It's literally God. Literally God. Because when I left, when I left uh, Virginia to, to, when I left St. Ambrose after a beautiful, beautiful three years there, um, I went to go teach in Phoenix, which was again, not part of the plan, definitely didn't want to do. And I remember the first, and there's a whole long story, which we no need to get into that. But I remember the first day of school and it's a, it's a faculty retreat. <laughs> and I'm just, Rachel, I'm in the car about to drive there. And it's, it's the Phoenician heat. I mean, it, you're, you're on the crater, you're, you're on the sun's surface, you know, you're on the surface of the sun. It's hot. You feel there's like a divine wrath on you, you know, and I'm just in the car and I just put my head down the steering wheel. And I was like, Lord, I am not trustworthy. I make bad life choice choices. <laughs> I don't know how I got to this point. You were helping me all along the way. But clearly I have gone off track and, you know, uh, this is terrible. And what am I, I don't know how to teach. And I don't, I don't, where am I? I'm in Phoenix. How did I get here? Like, I'm sorry, whatever I did, I'm sorry. Get me back on the right track. <laughs> exiled to the desert, you know, like a bad <laughs> Israelite. I mean, really the, the drama, the drama of it. And, oh. and, and he must have been just cracking up. I'm sure he's probably like, oh, this girl. <laughs> it's like a super drama. And I'm like, you know what I need, Lord? You know what? I need discernment, a spirit of discernment. That is the new plan, discernment. Do you hear? Are you listening? That's what I need. And I'm like, okay, just, just calm down, play cool, drive to your retreat, you know, but Lord, just don't forget discernment discernment right make it really clear we left out I get there (laughs) written on the whiteboard in big letters discernment (laughs) (laughs) so I turn to my new boss they're cracking up I love these things like I sometimes I just burst out laughing because I know that it's from him like I'm like 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 he's like literally just like wait the person is coming and I turn to my new boss and I'm like what's this and he goes oh yeah no the theme for the retreat for the faculty is all about discernment of spirits and discernment and we have an expert priest coming to talk to you about it and I'm just in shock like and and consoled mm-hmm. because it really was God saying I know most of the time you feel lost confused and all of that but trust me here's a little joke I have it I have it under control yes <laughs> those and those signs are with are so so 
amazing. Like when you get those little like, you get I don't even know, yeah. like goalposts or whatever, like signs that you're like on the right path, you know, right. and you get that little wink from God, like you're doing yeah. the right thing. So, and it's just always so like, I don't know that this is what we're talking about though. is like that living relationship with like letting him lead you. Yeah. Like, just like he says, like in scripture, when he says, come follow me, like that's what we're meant to do. You know, like we're meant to follow him and, and see where he leads us to touch other souls in the world for the better. But, um, but then, so then how did this lead you to endow? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Another, the third wave. Um, at a certain point, I really, what I love about endow and how God called me to endow, what I love about it is that it is, it combines the holistic, the totality of the Christian experience. It is friendship, which is crucial, absolutely crucial. And was crucial. And, you know, there are many parts of the story I didn't tell you, but I had, I had met specific people who personally discipled me. This is crucial, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and with an endowed group, it's that, that's what it is, is that you are with friends. And you're letting the Holy Spirit lead through the endowed study, right? You're accessing the rich, rich theological inheritance of church. So whatever study guide that you do, Catherine of Siena, Edith, John Paul II, Benedict XVI, right? You are reading your, the primary source, the inheritance, the words that the church has given and entrusted to us through these people. So there's friendship with each other in the group. And there's also friendship with with St. Ambrose, with mm-hmm. John Paul II, with, with the saints and those who are really guiding and leading us on our path and our personal vocation. So it, it is it robust. It's the life of the mind. It's, it's all those, like you were saying, you had all these- It's your gifts. It literally is. I'm just realizing this now, but it's like that co- colliding of the theology and then this like deep spiritual experience of like, you know, knowing these truths, but, and I love that he like used those parts of your story. I feel like are culminating in this role that you're in now, but how did you get introduced to endow to begin with? Well, yeah, a couple of friends of mine, um, told me about it. And so, um, I was so, so grateful, um, to be taken on, on the team because I really felt like this is not, this is something that is so personal right? That I, that for the, the, the friendship that, you know, it's sad, but it's a crisis in a parish. When you walk into a parish, you're not necessarily going to be cured for in a community. Mm-hmm. You know, you can walk in and walk out of mass and no one notices, right? You can come to an event, whatever. No, now there are many exceptional, obviously people who are doing incredible things. Um, but the scriptures don't lie the laborers are few mm-hmm. and, uh, and we need more and more women to, and so this is actually how I got involved in a lot, uh, even pre-theology stuff is that I saw that there was not an inquiry program in my parish. And I thought, well, I'll start one. Now, who am I to start one? I didn't have anything to offer except that I, except that I thought that there should be a community people should walk into. So my life has very personally, and it's a little bit of a wound too, because it's painful to always feel like you have to build the community. Whereas, the, you know, we just want to step into it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it's, it's been a wound where wherever I have 
traveled in Ghana and moved, I've started, and it hasn't been through Endow, it's been through uh, CL, which is a Catholic lay ecclesial movement. And now it's through Endow and as well as CL and other, other groups I'm a part of. But, but the overarching point is that community is so essential and it's difficult to, to cultivate, to curate, to develop, to reach out to someone, to take that risk, to say, Hey, what's your name? I want to invite you in because when you invite someone into community, you're saying you're going to get involved in their life. And that, you know, what we're selling, if you will, within Dow is one of the most difficult things to sell in modernity. We're asking you to cultivate real authentic community and friendship. Okay, but everybody's too busy, right? And we're asking you to, to, to take time out to study, study, not in a superficial way, the study, the philosophical and theological inheritance of the church. Mm. This is, <laughs> I'm, we're asking Catholic women around the world to say, my intellect, my spirit, my soul, my emotional life, all of that requires that I study deep, robust things that the church proposes, papal magisterial doctrine, flowering of the saints and so forth. And that I do so in the context of a community, of an intentional community that I've chosen. Now, again, an analysis study is eight to 12 weeks, right? So you can start and end it. But the hope is that there is a, 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 a real growth in the person, a real growth in the feminine genius, that when you have this experience of true friendship, real encounter, uh, with and, and fueled by the presence of Jesus, by the presence of the Holy Spirit coming through the theological and philosophical inheritance that you discover, you not only get closer to, to God, which is the ultimate goal, but you discover who you are. And when you know who you are, you know, in, in fact, then what the next step is, mm-hmm. right? The more, mm-hmm. you, the more you know him, the more you know yourself, the more you know yourself, you know what to do. And so many of us, we don't know we want to do something like, like you, like, you know, when you were having your, you know, I, I made, there's something more I'm made for. Yeah. Um, what is it? How, how do I find that out? Well, I, it, paradoxically, I find out who I am in encountering the teachings of the church. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, amazing. And so amazing that he led you to where you are now. And I love it because it's like, who knows what's next? <laughs> but yeah, but yeah you know, it'll probably go together beautifully like everything else has been. But, <laughs> oh, but it's so beautiful how you described everything and just your story of how you've, you came to, yeah, how you were seeking and then how he answered. And I think when we, when we step out on that limb, you know, like you're loitering behind the church, like he's gonna, he's gonna respond in a way that, um, will be perfect for our situation at that moment where we are at the, in our heart at that time, give us that next step and not the whole okay. picture, but he'll give you the next yeah. step. Yeah, I wish the whole picture. I wish. Yeah. I wish. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like in the end, we'll look back, but and it takes so much time. You know, it takes so long. We have a life days are short, but life is long as they say, but it, these things take time, a lot of time, you know, with the initial encounter with, with, with Babsy and the Holy Spirit prayers, that was, there were still four Plus, there were so four years from that to, to moving to Virginia to study theology, right? Mm-hmm. There's still, things take time. Right. We, have to, we have to make a choice in life. Life is short and it's limited and we're limited. And there's, there's only so much you can 
value and spend your time and what, how you spend your time shows what you value the most. Do I value, uh, do I value friendship, cultivating deep friendship based on something more than just shared interest, but based on virtue and based on Jesus? Do I, do I want to spend my mental energy, my emotional energy, uh, reading these things and studying these things? And, you know, where do I want to spend my time to cultivate a beautiful life. And it's sad. And I, you know, you're supposed to always be grateful for where you are and God puts you in the time that you're at. But, you know, gosh, sometimes I really struggle with that because we have a real ugly culture that values everything the opposite of how we're supposed to spend our time. So community is difficult, extra hard now. You know, the, the intellectual life is extra hard now. Going to church is extra hard. I mean, it just, there's like challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. So we have to fight even harder just to uh, live a beautiful life, which is yeah. becoming increasingly difficult, but we've got to band together and find each other and make a real proposal, just like the early Christians did in the early church. Their, their lives, their, their, their persecuted little lives were so beautiful that an entire empire converted. Crazy. And it converted a lot through women. So women are especially culturally game changers So if I spend the rest of my life, you know, uh, equipping women to, to embrace the power that God gave them, I would be, I'll be a very happy person. Amazing. Amazing. I love it so much. And speaking of that, what have been some of the standout influences for you along your journey, whether it's like a book or a speaker or maybe a specific, you know, teaching of the church, um, I don't know what, what, what has really influenced you along the way? There's so, there's so, so much. Um, certainly the writings of father Giustani and the movement of community liberation has been essential, Mm -hmm. um, because I started to understand, uh, the, when I met the, the people in CL, CL for short, it was the first time people in the institutional Catholic church looked at me with the gaze of Jesus. It wasn't primarily about what they were teaching me or anything like that. It it was really like this encounter with unconditional love and becoming my friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one thing to read a book and have an encounter and read a podcast. And and those things are crucial. Sacraments are crucial. Podcasts are crucial. Books are Mm -hmm. crucial. All, All that is crucial. But there's nothing like somebody looking in the eye, really seeing you, and unconditionally caring for you. And I, and that was hard. That was very uncomfortable because we are calculators. Humans are calculate. We calculate what would they want and when, or when will it end? Um, Ratzinger says this in his book, what it means to be a Christian, which should be on everyone's list. What it means Mm -hmm. to be a Christian, because he said, you know, we, God does not calculate. We calculate. So when I met Christians um, who really looked at me with that unconditional gaze and embraced and and affirmed and accepted me exactly where I was at, which again, especially, I mean, I always feel like a lost little puppy, but like, (laughs) especially at that time in fragile reversion times, you know, um, they really cared for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, and it, it, dinners at the house, uh, giving me books by father Giussani, just, even, you know, a lot of them are Italian. So that, that kind of Italian cultural love, just patting me on the cheek, you know, just, just those cute little things that 
You see, you feel, I'm really loved by this person. I really matter to these people specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times in the church, and Sherry will talk about this too, Sherry Waddell uh, from, from the St. Catherine Santa Institute, programs don't save people. Mm. People save people. So, so true. You know, you can, you can be the greatest international speaker, writer, podcaster in the world. It, 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 that particular person that you pay particular attention to, that is what really, and it's like Philip in the gospel, you know, he meets that eunuch and, and he's just sitting there in his little chariot reading the scriptures and Philip's like, do you even know what you, do you even understand what you're reading? Uh, no. And so he, he gets up in the chariot with him and he helps him. Mm. And, and, and that's, that's what a Christian does. We, we help each other. We get in to what they do, or as Francis, Pope Francis says, and you smell like the priest, you need to smell like the sheep. So not just priests, all of us like smell like the sheep. Fulton Sheen says this in his book, um, A Priest is Not His Own, where he says, and you know, we're all, we could say we're, he, he's talking to ministerial priests, but we're also common priests. And I think the feminine genius is actually quite good at this, which is why it, uh, I was very honored to do a presentation on the priesthood on Fulton Sheen's book, with, you know, interviewing priests, but to, you know, I thought you want me to do it. Um, I'm not a priest, but I think this is something that priests and men can really learn from the feminine genius. When Fulton Sheen says to future priests, when he says, you have got to go after the sheep, you can't wait for them to come to you. You've got to go after them. I think that is something that so much part of the feminine genius you see, because who, who hasn't experienced a woman that goes, I think that kid at the party is not happy so or yeah. not, not smiling over there or like they look like they could use a car, you know, and, you know, men going, what? I, I, this just happened to me the other week. I was at lunch with some friends, all men, and I noticed one of them. I just felt something's not okay. And I told all the guys, because, you know, they're, they're looking out for their guy friends. And they're like, oh, no, no, he's fine, you know, whatever. Later, I get a call. He's so not fine. And I thought, mm. <laughs> he's not, he's not okay. So I think that's something that is so, so, it, it, it reached me. They reached out to me. The saints reach out to us. But St. Ambrose reached out to me. I also was presenting myself, right. which is that's really all we can do. But God is really the protagonist. Christ is really the protagonist. He's, he's the one taking the initiative. God be, Christianity is, a, is not man reaching for God, but God reaches for man. And I really saw that with these people. And I think that, that to me is the real, real the game changer and the real influence. So I can make all the book recommendations, but I think that. <laughs> yeah, that's so, no, that's so good. Yes, it's so true. It's, I love what you said about like, it's, like you could have the best program in the world, but it's the people that are running the program that are going to make the difference. I mean, whether whether yeah. that's going to be impactful for that person or not. And it all starts with, like we're saying, having it come from within, like come from God. Like, I mean, if you're not being led by God and you're trying to run something, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not gonna, it has no life because it's not coming from anything, you know, like he says, you, you can't do anything without me. So literally it has to come from him, you know? Him. Yeah. And you can believe it. Like say you have the best program, right? But you don't believe the program or the book or the whatever. If the person behind, like you said, the person behind it has to breathe life into it. Right. It has to be an authority. And 
I mean, when you really have the present, when you really cultivate the presence of God in your life, somebody like Babsy, who I literally met for two minutes, there's no, no, no program, no talk, no book. I still haven't yeah. read anything. Um, I, I literally was around her for two minutes. She was so much an authority for me that I literally from that day forward have obeyed her since with praying these three prayers. That's crazy. That's the power of God. Right. That's it. That's the best influence you could have. No, that's so, <laughs> so true. Oh, thank you. That's so good. And the last question I hope to ask everyone who comes on is, um, can you share with us one scripture verse that is either speaking to you recently or that played a foundational role in your journey? Um, I, okay, just one, just one. I know okay. there's so many. <laughs> recently, the one that's been on my heart and on my mind is from Ephesians 4, uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Just, yeah, why? So much resistance to follow my own plan. There's mm. just so, I mean, it's just, it's humorous. Um, you know, the re, I think Chesterton said original sin is like the easiest doctrine to prove because we all experience it. I mean, it, it's just like such a tug of war sometimes. And recently it's been like, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to focus on today? Right. Um, so, that St. Paul's words, like, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, you know, do what I'm asking you to do, yeah. lady. you know, uh, trust me, don't upset me, <laughs> just follow. Just yeah, follow. that like, that, that like radical trust, that is so, it's so, um, it's so easy and it's so insanely difficult at the same time it's like yeah. just just let it go and let me do it like let me lead and tell you what to do <laughs> but it's so hard sometimes you know you're just like can you just give me like the next 10 steps so I can just know what to do for the next oh, I know I know I was cracking up at the gospel was it last week on walking on the water yeah yeah I was doing Lexia with that and just thought Lord this is just too much to ask you know because yes it, it walking on water <laughs> because that's what it feels like yeah that's what it feels like to trust as I want the next I want an insurance policy there's no insurance on trusting and surrender you literally just trust uh so that's been the don't just don't grieve don't grieve me my my little one I love that I love that so much <laughs> thank you so much son this has been amazing your story and you're just such an inspiration it's so clear that you let him channel you know, the spirit through you and how it comes out in your life and, and where he's led you and that radical yes you gave by moving, I think was all he needed to just kind of take it away. Let <laughs> you sail on this like, <laughs> adventure. And I love to hear it. I mean, that's just, and I love how much people have influenced you. Um, so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that that's such a theme in your story and is so important. I think a lot of times people can forget that personal connection and the power it has to make an influence on someone's life. And just, I love that about your story. So thank you. Thank you so much. And, and right back at you, you are a true, you are the light of the world. You are, you are, the, you are the light of the world, Rachel. So thank you for everything that you're doing. It's been an absolute delight having, being with you this morning. And, um, I look forward to, ever, to just watching you in this podcast grow. Oh, thank you so much. All right, bye. Bye now. Thank you so much for growing some good with us today. 
Visit us at togrowgood.com slash podcast to find links to everything we mentioned in today's conversation. If you enjoyed today's conversation, would you please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or on whatever app you're listening from? Reviews help podcasts to show up higher in search results so that more people can find these incredible stories of the Lord at work. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend, a family member, or a coworker who might enjoy the conversation as well. Find us on Instagram at to grow good. See you next week.